This is James Walker, and welcome to Real Talk, Real People. This is the podcast that turns the mic over to everyday people to hear what they have to say about the issues and problems we face as a society. And we're talking today with Mark Lounsbury. He is the Director of Youth Ministries for the Jericho Partnership. That is a faith-based organization located in Danbury. The conversation is about mentoring and how mentors are picking up the slack for absent fathers. Mark's organization provides mentoring to at-risk youth and, of course, a whole lot of other services. So he will be joining us later to talk about that. As usual, the subject of my podcast follows the topic of my Sunday column that appeared in Hearst, Connecticut newspapers. And sometimes, if you read my columns, you know that I like to take a different approach sometimes to get across a point about a problem that we are having. And this week I used tic-tac-toe. And I used that game because pretty much everybody knows it, and it was easy to use it to illustrate a point. And what I asked my readers to do was just get that mental image of tic-tac-toe in their minds. And then, instead of using X's and O's, I asked them to put in those squares, violence, prison, juvenile detention, poverty, suicide, substance abuse, obesity, hunger. That makes up eight of those nine squares, and I asked them to leave that middle square blank. Because, quite frankly, experts say that it is that middle square that is causing the problems in those other eight squares. And I'm sure some of you already know that middle square, what should be there, is the word father. That's what's missing. And while I hate statistics, and believe me, I've said before, I just, you know, statistics, I, I I understand their value. But statistics are just that. They're numbers. So I, I really don't like to use numbers when I am talking about social issues. But I have to tell you, folks, some stats are just too, are just too staggering to ignore. Right now, there are 20 million kids, nearly 20 million kids living without a father in a household in the United States of America. 20 million. That really has a devastating effect on these kids. Let Let me give you some more stats here. 63% of youth suicides come from children growing up in fatherless households. 85% of children who exhibit behavioral disorders grew up in a fatherless household. Here's some more stats. 71% are high school dropouts. 70% of juveniles that are in state institutions did not have a father in the household. 75% of our young people who are caught up in substance abuse, again, did not have a father in the household. And this one kind of, I don't know why this was surprising, but it really did. And this one is that 75% of rapists are motivated by displaced anger. I don't know why I didn't know that, but for some odd reason, I I never associated it with a father 
not being in the house, but more with the father who was in the house. It was just a very brutal and violent father. You know, so those are really some scary statistics, no matter which way you look at it. And when you consider that there are 20 million nationwide and right here in Connecticut, 235,000 children live in single parent homes. You can see it is really a huge gap to fill. So let's get Mark on the line. Let's hear what he has to say about the importance of mentors and what the Jericho Partnership actually does. Okay. Uh, so the Jericho Partnership is um, uh, focused on serving the at-risk population in Danbury. Uh, we do that through a number of uh, Christ-centered wraparound services. And we, we serve at-risk students and, by extension, their families. Uh, and so some of the services that we provide for our at-risk um, uh, youth population uh, are our after-school programs, which is K through 12th grade, um, our summer learning program, which, again, is uh, K through 12th grade. We run a boys and girls mentoring program, and we also have an in-school reading buddies program that focuses on serving students in, in the classrooms of our public schools. Now, this and then is... in addition to that, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. In addition to that, we have um, uh, adult services uh, that are focused on um, our at-risk populations in Danbury uh, through our food pantry and our clothing bank. And then we also run uh, our discipleship house, which is serving uh, those who are uh, suffering with addiction uh, and uh, dealing with chronic homelessness. Okay, my focus here is on children. So give me an idea of how many children you guys mentor on a weekly basis. Okay, um, so in our after-school programs, uh, between our uh, uh, K through 12 uh, programs, we serve each day about 100 students in those after-school programs. Of those 100 students um, that are uh, part of our after-school programs, um, we have right now uh, 40, excuse me, 42 students who are matched up on one-on-one -on -one mentoring relationships. And then we are also rolling out and launching a small group mentoring, which is, it would be one mentor working with three to four students in a, in a small group setting as opposed to a, a, a straight-up one-on-one relationship. Now, what is the value of a one-on-one -on -one relationship? I, are these students who are at, or I should say youth, um, who are at greater risk, and that's the reason why they're getting this one-on-one -on -one mentorship? Or, or explain to me the difference. Right. So um, the, the students who are in a one-on-one -on -one mentoring relationship um, are, there's a number of criterion that we look at uh, to determine uh, those who would benefit from that relationship. Um, and so some of those criterion are living in a single-parent home, uh, English is a second language, living at or below the poverty line, uh, living in a high-crime, high-drug-use uh, neighborhood, um, one or more family members has been incarcerated. Um, so when we, when we kind of examine uh, the current state of our students that are in our programs, we're making assessments to determine who would benefit from having an advocate uh, in their lives one-on-one -on -one that meets with them uh, uh, weekly and develops a relationship with them to help them learn maybe some of the life skills that they wouldn't be learning uh, on their own uh, that can advocate for them in the school system, uh, who could be there. It's just kind of that, that listening ear 
um, when sometimes kids feel like there isn't that adult person uh, that's in their life that is uh, kind of seeing them for who they are and hearing them uh, and, and speaking into their lives to help create plans and map out a path for them moving forward to get from where they are to where they need to be. What we're primarily focused on is we want our kids um, to graduate high school on time. So we work with students uh, in our mentoring program uh, starting as early as sixth uh, grade and create these relationships with their mentors that sometimes last from sixth, seventh, eighth grade all the way through until high school graduation uh, and beyond. Uh, our mentoring program has uh, those who have graduated from the program. They've moved on either in their uh, vocational work or they're in the military or they've started a business. And uh, that relationship with their mentor continues on for years after the fact of their uh, high school graduation. So that's when we know that things have become successful uh, is when those relationships kind of continue um, in a much longer capacity beyond just high school. What do you find that kids when they first come into your organization what do you find is their the their, the biggest challenge that they face and and how do you go about um facing that challenge with them mm -hmm. so there, there's a number of challenges right uh, if we're looking at students who we would uh, uh view as being at risk um and going back to the criterion that we had just talked about um, there, there's a number of challenges that, that are associated with that. Um, one of them being academic challenges. Um, so we have students who are falling behind um, uh, their peers in terms of uh, their reading and math scores, which are kind of the two key indicators now, about is students that, doing. Is that because of their home life, that their skills are falling behind? Is that because of their, they have problems at home? Oh. Well, I, I think it's a factor. Um, uh, we, we have students who have challenging um, home lives who don't necessarily fall behind academically, um, but I think it's certainly a factor. Um, if it, kind of some of the, the demographics in our city has changed, uh, we're working with a lot of uh, young people who uh, English is a second language for them or um, English isn't necessarily spoken at home. Uh, so that becomes a huge barrier in their academic uh, performance because they don't have necessarily uh, mom and dad in the house that are able to help support them academically. So if, if they can't help the student read their homework or understand uh, what the work is for them to be doing, they begin to fall back um, in, in that regard. So uh, the, the home life and the home dynamic can certainly uh, be a factor uh, in their academic performance. I think it also creates um, some challenges, social and emotional, uh, that then compound uh, in that the academic arena. So if they're uh, dealing with, if we're dealing with a young man uh, who doesn't have a father in, in the household and doesn't have that uh, positive, real, uh, excuse me, positive male role model uh, in, in the household, uh, that can create some challenges in terms of self-identity. Um, and when those things begin to surface, generally in, in kind of that adolescent age, 12, 13, 14 years old, um, that has a direct effect on their academic performance uh, moving forward. So there's a, there's a lot of factors that, that are at risk there, a lot of factors that, that come into play, but uh, academic performance definitely suffers when uh, the home 
a home structure is not as supportive as it could be. Do, do When these kids talk to you, do they talk to you about role models in their own communities? Or, and, or rather, I should say, when they talk to you, do they say there is a lack of role models in their own communities, which is why they respond well to um, being in a mentor, a mentorship, um, being part of your mentoring program? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think it would take um, quite a bit of... Uh, it, it would take a while to get a young person to identify that and see that as a need that's missing in their life. I think they recognize um, that I, it, it's hard for them, I think, to give voice to that. Um, I, I, they, they recognize that there's something, um, a piece that's missing, but I don't know that they're always able to identify, you know, I'm looking around here and I don't really see a, a positive real, a male role model in my life. But when that when that person steps into their lives, I think it empowers them in in a special way, where they begin to realize this is a benefit to me, um, and that doesn't happen immediately, right? Uh, it, it takes time to build that relationship with a young person. Um, when we have uh, mentors come who, or excuse me, volunteers come who want to become a mentor, uh, we ask them on the front side to commit to at least two years with their mentee. Uh, and there's a reason for that. We've discovered over time that uh, it, it takes at least a year to really build up enough of a, a relationship with a young person that they become um, open enough to really share some of the challenges that they're facing. Um, and young people uh, who have been in situations where they've been disappointed by adults in their lives uh, will put up barriers and put up resistance uh, to developing close relationships with adults because they don't think that they're going to necessarily um, be in that connection uh, long term. You're listening to Real Talk, Real People, the podcast that turns the mic over to everyday people. And getting back to the issue of trust. Mark used the example. It's actually a, a really good one because it's one of those that you really don't think about. And let's say you're a young you're a young boy growing up, and you are growing up in a single with a single mother. Well, of course, she's going to have relationships. Some of them may not work out, but if, if you have three or four over the course of four or five years, what happens is it creates a revolving door of in and out relationships for this kid. And therefore he grows up not wanting to reach out and trust people because he just assumes that they're not going to be there long term. And I also asked him about external role models, which, you know, external role models to me are our everyday people that while we may not see them as role models, they are just by the professions that they work in, such as teachers, police officers, doctors, lawyers, ministers, you know, scout leaders. You know, these are professions that little kids subconsciously look up to. And in many cases, people in these professions are really just not living up to that image of what we perceive as role models there's certainly more than enough uh examples of people who have failed 
um, in that role of mentoring or being a good role model for, for our young people. I mean, we don't have to look very far. We could turn on any news channel. We could pick up any paper, uh, browse most websites, and we can we could find examples of that. I think uh, for our purposes and what we need to do is we need to try and counteract some of those um, negative influences with really strong, dynamic, um, present positive examples. Um, and so for our young people that we're, we're serving, you know, we're, we're flawed people. Um, we make mistakes, but we're going to be there and we're going to be present and we're going to be active in the roles of uh, our, excuse me, in the lives of our young people. So helping a, a young man uh, develop a relationship one-on-one with, a, with an adult male that develops over time and is healthy uh, that becomes beneficial, uh, that becomes uh, um, someone who's a listening ear or someone who helps offer guidance um, over a period of time, that has the ability to counteract some of these negative images. One of the most important things a mentor must have is patience. These are kids who are trying to overcome some really difficult circumstances and at the same time they're going through that teen hormone stage and we all know how difficult that is even by itself so we have to have a lot of patience when we're dealing with at-risk youth and even for those who are doing their best you have to understand there will be stops and goes along the way just like there is with adults sometimes you like you jokingly say, uh, let's hear the story of someone who went from an F to an A. And the reality is sometimes when we're working with kids, they go from an F to a B and then back to a D and then to an A and then they fall off to a C again. It's it, it's often not a linear progression, right? There's these ups and downs and these swings, but its, tra- it's trajectory is heading in, in the right direction. And I think that as long as we're present and as long as we never give up on young people, Sometimes we're putting, we're sowing seeds in kids that aren't going to become fruitful until maybe years after uh, they're finished uh, working closely uh, with us. Folks, you've heard this before, but I'm going to say it again anyway. Listen, you don't have to be smart. You don't have to have great skills. You don't have to have a lot of money. You don't have to have a fancy home. You don't have to have great language skills. What you have to have is the ability to care and show that. Mentoring is about relationships. And if we can just be faithful enough to show up um, and be present with young people and let them know, I see you, I hear you, you have value, um, and I believe in you. If we could do those things for young people, we, we will see them blossom Um, and we will see them become what they're capable of becoming. Well, I don't think I could uh, say it any better. Uh, Mark, Mm -hmm. I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us, and is there anything you want to add? Well, I I would just, uh, to to kind of put a plug in there for those uh, those who would be hearing this or those who will be reading about this in the Danbury area, we are always looking for uh, men and women who are interested in serving and helping young people. So um, if, if we could kind of direct them to our website, JerichoPartnership.org, as a starting point, I think that, that would be incredible. Well, I will certainly make sure that is part of the podcast. Mark, I appreciate you speaking right. with us. And listen, keep doing a great job with those kids. And hopefully All we'll right. get an opportunity to speak again. All right. Thank you so much, James. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Have a good weekend.
All right. God bless you. Bye-bye. God bless you, too. And there you have it, folks. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to Real Talk, Real People. If you would like to be on the show, have a comment about the show, or perhaps you have an idea that the show should explore, give us a call at 203-605-1859 or email us at realtalkrealpeoplect at gmail.com. And remember, start your Sundays with my column in Hearst, Connecticut newspaper statewide and start your Mondays right here at Real Talk, Real People. Have a good week, folks. We'll talk again next week.